Another day, another blockbuster trade in the NFL. Khalil Mack traded from the Chicago Bears to the Los Angeles Chargers. The next two big names that could be traded this weekend. One of the names might surprise you. And Matt Williamson's top five edge rushers for the NFL draft. Coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at E Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day and this one this one was timed nicely for us Matt with the big another uh, another day another big trade around the NFL so I can't wait to see what happens later on Friday for us but uh, the next one is Khalil Mack and Khalil Mack is on the move for the second time in his career being traded now this time from the Chicago Bears to the Los Angeles Chargers who were going all in the Chargers are going for it. Uh, the compensation here with this is a, a second round pick this year and a sixth round pick next year, which on the surface for Khalil Mack's talent is, you know, is nothing for the Chargers to give up for for a guy this good. But there's obvious reasons why maybe they didn't get top notch co- uh, compensation because of his age and his contract. Exactly. Uh, very aggressive move by the Chargers. And they don't forget that they Locked up Mike Williams, too. That went under the radar, you know, because so many other big things were going on. So it's already been a big offseason for L.A., you know. So, I mean, they're doing some big things, keeping their own. And I think a couple things here. Like, Brandon Staley coming from the Rams, you know, I think he very much understands the the value of star power. I mean, I think much like the Rams, a stars and scrubbish type defense is in the cards for the the Chargers. You know, like, give me three maybe difference makers. Now they have three. They used to have two, Bosa, James, and Mac, And I can make everything else work in a big way. So that's really exciting. Um, Nawasu is a free agent. He was the edge opposite Bosa, and he's not a bad player. I think he'll start for someone and be a, a quality player. But by no means is he Khalil Mack. I mean, I think this is great for Bosa. I still think Mack is playing at a very high level. You definitely have to consider, like you said, the age and the massive contract. But the other thing that would scare me, my only concern with this for the Chargers perspective is he just needs to stay healthy. You know, I mean, the last couple of years has been a lot of stuff, you know, and if he's on the field, he's been great. He just hasn't been on the field quite as much as you'd like. And, you know, it happens to a lot of these guys at that age. My initial thought, aside from, oh, wow, Bosa and Mack now coming from opposite edges of that defense, that is scary. And and by the way, something I didn't realize right when it first happened is that Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers, was Khalil Mack's position coach um, under Vic Fangio there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. In the uh, with that Chicago Bears defense not too long ago. So uh, it's a personal connection there, which probably helped that thing along. But... It was the run defense, not so much the pass rush, although you can never have too much pass rush. Does this, in a weird roundabout way, say that either Brandon Staley and the Chargers don't care about their run defense and still want to invite teams to run on them? Or is this that uh, that maybe there's another move coming to, and maybe it's the draft they're going to go to figure out the, the middle of the defensive line and other ways to get better defending the run? Because uh, as good as 
Bosa and Mac are, and they're good run defenders as well on the edge. Uh, up the middle, still a problem for the Chargers. Yeah, the run defense was terrible. I mean, maybe the worst in the league. Some of that is by design. It's not by design to be terrible, but Brandon Staley is, everyone knows how much he goes for it on fourth down, and he's very, very young. He's probably the most analytically driven coach in the league, and he's the youngest, and all these things make sense. And I think by proxy, you know, that stopping the run, rushing the passer is always, or, 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 I'm sorry, rushing the passer is always going to, to trump stopping the run. I mean, he is going to build his defense in a Fangio-like manner with a lot of cover four and light boxes to, you know, maximize his pass defense. Pass rush, not allowing big plays. That's what this defense is going to stress. That being said, I still think if Jordan Davis is sitting there with the 17th pick, they just take him. You know I mean? Like... They still need help in the middle of that D-line, whether it's free agency and grabbing a Akeem Hicks-type dude, you know, some big-bodied free agent, or a Jordan Davis type. I still think there's more moves to make. Yeah, and the look, interior was just flat-out bad. A nose tackle, if, if that's the, you know, the, the last Band-Aid to put on that, that's, that's findable. Khalil Max aren't right, findable the out there. Those are, those are very tough to get. And when you look at the yeah. division, it's funny because it's like, okay, you go get... Russell Wilson, I go get Khalil Mack. Yeah, How about right, that? Right, exactly. you know? <laughs> and Russell Wilson has to look at this division and think, man, I just went from the best division of football to like the new best division of football, partly because of, of him and, and, and Khalil Mack now going over there. Really, I mean, that's, that, that's going to be so fun. And I, and I love the response from the Chargers. Okay, you guys got good quarterbacks? Well, we got a good young quarterback, and we've got the best pass rushing tandem now in the division. 100%. I mean, you better not just sit on your hands in the AFC West and nobody's talking about the Raiders and I'm sure there's big moves coming, but Oh, by the way, they went out and got a very well-respected new head coach, you know, and they were a playoff team last year. And Derek Carr's the third best quarterback or fourth best quarterback in that division, but he's probably the 10th best quarterback on the planet. You know I mean? It, it, it's remarkable and no one's talking about the Raiders, but, they were, they're a quality team. I mean, it's amazing. And you're right. You know, um, you're going to go get those guys. Well, I'm going to go get somebody that's going to put them on their back. And the beauty of it, of course, I mean, it kind of goes without saying is when your stud quarterback is making what's Herbert make like seven or $8 million a year on a you know fifth or sixth overall rookie contract. I mean, you can do these things a lot easier than the chiefs and the other teams in the division. They're really expensive quarterbacks. Or about to. I talked about the timing of the Chargers adding a pass rusher to thwart another quarterback in the division, but what about the timing for the Bears with the announcement of Aaron Rodgers sticking around? Are the Bears saying, look, okay, let's wait till year three and four with, you know, the development of our young quarterback. We don't have a first round pick this year. Let's add some picks. Let's be good in 2024. Is that what the Bears yes. are saying right now? They have pick 39 and 48 now in the second round, so they could sneak back into the first round even though they don't have a first-round pick if they wanted to, if the right player was there, you know, maybe a wide receiver or uh, an offensive tackle or something like that. Um, but they can still do some things here, and, and, you know, they take a cap hit this year, but they're really clearing a lot of money to maybe make themselves the power of the NFC North maybe after Aaron Rodgers is done. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. I think you said that really well. And I think it happens to correlate with, you know, the Rogers situation, but I think they'd have to take this approach, 
no matter what's going on in their division. But the way you laid it out with Rodgers, it might just play right into their hands perfectly. You know, um, their roster, like if you go to their depth chart right now of who's under contract, especially on offense, you, you would shake your head a little bit like, whoa, this is worse than I thought. And I think it's going to be a very long year for them. And, of course, the goal is going to be develop fields and you have a new coach and a, basically a new quarterback. So you're in a good spot and foundationally to start building this thing. But this building needs everything. I mean, it doesn't have any electric or heat or windows. I mean, they're, they're pouring the concrete foundation right now. So in the end, I think it's pretty safe to say that by the time the Bears are good, Khalil Mack won't be. Khalil Mack, one of the best edge players in the league for a while now. Who could be yeah. some of the best edge players in the league in the future? Matt Williamson's top five edge rushers in the NFL draft. We'll talk about some of the combine winners and losers as well from uh, the defensive end and sort of stand-up rusher position in the NFL draft. Um, but I've got next, in the next segment, Matt, uh, i got a couple of questions and a couple of ideas about what could be the next big move. If, if this is just going to be one big move per day in the NFL, yeah, right, right. what is Friday afternoon's huge move? I've got a couple of names for you next. Oh, okay. It's that time of year again. College basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting needs and Information. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, even podcasts and news for the 2022 season. The tournament is so much fun to wager on, but there's also pro basketball. Bet online is also your source for football betting. Yeah, you can still bet on draft props and Super Bowl futures at Bet Online. Uh, not only football and basketball. But hockey and boxing and UFC and including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. And it's free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like every podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So two big things. What, what could be the next big move? We're talking about the, the Raiders as being, you know, the fourth best team, clearly, I think, right now in the AFC West, even though they're not necessarily a, a bad team. I would say they're right, right, probably right. a middle-of-the-road team, but I do have some questions about where they're at. Do With a new head coach there, and I... I would think that part of Josh McDaniels hiring is that he really likes Derek Carr, but there's been some talk and I've seen it in a couple places now that maybe the Colts are making some calls about potentially adding, uh, they have to add a quarterback, right? But maybe those calls are going to Las Vegas and they're maybe seeing if they can get someone like Derek Carr first. And who knows, maybe your Steelers are doing that as well. And, and, and we'll get to another big name quarterback that could be on the market in a second that could maybe be that next big move but what about Derek Carr what about the Raiders say yeah this is just a little bit rough right now let's regroup here let's get some stuff for Derek Carr and let's draft and rebuild and see what this division looks like in a year or two I wouldn't object to it if I was at Vegas you know and, and it is now's the time to do it if you're going to move on from him because he's a very I think he's making like 20 million this year or something like that mm -hmm. and you would have no dead money and he would, you'd get a lot in return because, you know, the Colts or Steelers, both those teams have lots of cap space, could easily get that $20 million under the cap with plenty of room to do other things. And then you negotiate with them a year from now. So 
this is the time to maximize his trade value if you're Vegas. And he's also coming off a very good year. Yes. And like I said, I think he's like the 10th best quarterback on the planet. I think he's better than Jimmy, your cousins, or Ryan, or any of those other guys we've been mentioning all week that maybe they could be a Colts answer or something like that. So You could argue that Carr is closer to 12 than like, you know, 5, too. In my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's not, not like he's knocking the door on top five. He's knocking the door on, you know, 15 potentially, depending on which way his season goes. I, I think we've seen peak Derek Carr, which is not bad. And, uh, and Derek Carr is a very good player, which is why he has value, which is why you look right. ahead and he's going to need a new contract very soon. He's going to be asking for $40 million, right? <laughs> because think, that's right, what right. every good starting quarterback is going to be asking for in the NFL. So. That's where, if you're the Raiders, you think, okay, maybe we get a ton from a team. And, you know, the Colts don't have a first rounder this year, so that would have to be, you know, they got those multiple day two picks this year, first next year, something like that. They can get a pretty good Mm -hmm. haul, I think, that the Raiders could for Derek Carr. And it depends how you feel about Derek Carr. Do you want to go down the road with him and pay him $40 million to be your guy uh, deep into his 30s? Or do you take maybe what could be maximum trade value now? Right, exactly. And that's a... Swing for the fences, aggressive organization that Al Davis built. I mean, I think they want a total superstar, you know, where Carr's a, a star and not a total superstar, if you know what I'm saying. It's funny. Every time Derek Carr comes up, you and I, we look at him a little differently. You know, you and I agree on a lot of things, but I think Carr is clearly better than the Cousins neighborhood. And I think you think he's the best of that tier where I think he might've gone past that tier. And I would even consider making him a 40 million, you know, $35 million a year quarterback where I think you're saying, boy, if I'm on that road, I'm in Kirk cousins, middling land. Yeah. I think, I think he's top of that third tier of quarterbacks. That's why I think where he is. Yeah. Which is a good place to be. And it's top half of the league of quarterbacks. You have a better quarterback than the other team more, you know, for, for half of your games, at least. Yeah, and, Except you know, for unless you play in the AFC West, which is kind of the problem. Well, right. Or, I mean, you're going to run into one of those guys in the playoffs no matter what. If you, you know, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Like, I would hesitate to pay top of line money for tier three guys. I'm just not sure he's a tier three guy. I, I kind of think like he's a tier two guy. But that could bite me. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that, if you're asking him all of a sudden, I need you to put the team on your back. And you're eating up a lot of cap space, and I can't get you that left tackle you need. And we're not good enough to pick the Jonathan Ogden, Tony Baselli's at the top of the draft to help you because we're always in the playoffs, and then we lose in the first round. You know, you and I talk about that a lot. Like, that's a little bit of NFL no man's land, you know. And he he could get you to NFL no man's land. I think he's better than that, but I'm not sure that I would bet my entire reputation and my entire franchise on it if I were the GM of the Colts or Steelers or whatever, because he's not going to be cheap either. I mean, if Pittsburgh goes after him, it's going to cost you more than the 20th pick overall. Right. Yep. So, and that's that's part part of the entire equation, right, for the Raiders right, is, right. is the return plus what you would pay Carr. Where you you're already fourth in the division with Carr. Are you locking yourself into just beating your head against a wall, you know, for that next quarterback contract, or could you potentially swing for the fences, try to find a quarterback that's as good or better and cheaper, or, you know, there, there's a number of different things you could potentially do. If, if a team, ha- they, you would have to get the right offer for Derek Carr. I'm not, you, you, he, right, he's right. good. And I'm not arguing that he's a bad quarterback that you should be actively trying to trade, but you answer the phone. And if you get that, 
crazy offer, you almost have to take it, in my opinion, if you are the Raiders. And I know a lot of people like Derek Carr. I'm sure he's well-liked in the building, mm-hmm. and he's a leader in all those things. And, and we've seen how difficult it is for some teams to find that leader, which is why the Colts would probably be calling you. Yeah, and in your opinion, are the Steelers are in, are the Steelers or Colts, especially the Colts, contenders? And I'm not talking about can they possibly win their division or can they win nine or ten games? Can they win the whole thing with Carr? I think they they absolutely can more than the Raiders could with Carr because just Agreed. get into the tournament and then see what happens. You know, you can string together a couple of games. And so either one of those teams could win their division with Derek Carr, even though, you know, it's not going to be, they're not going to, it's not going to be a cakewalk just because you had Derek Carr. But it's a lot easier for the Steelers or the Colts to go win their division, get in the tournament, see what happens with the Derek Carr, get hot, go win something, uh, rather than the the Raiders who, it's it's really hard to project them even being a playoff team at this point, even if they play really well. Yeah, exactly. I think that the, the organizations are in a little bit different spots. And, I mean, always talk Steelers, but, I mean, Tomlin's never had a losing season. I mean, he won eight games with Duck Hodges and Rudolph. Like, I kind of feel like the Colts are kind of in that mode right now, too, because of their line, their defense, their running game, their well-coached team, that if you gave them either one of those teams, if you gave them Mariota or Dalton or somebody like that or Tyrod Taylor, they probably win eight games. So where does Carr get you? Does that get you 11? Yeah, it might. Yeah. And and here's the thing for the Steelers. Just go back to last year. What if Derek Carr was the Steelers quarterback in 2021? Oh, man. You're, the Steelers are a playoff team. And easily, yeah. It, a, a Derek Carr-led Steelers team could have easily beaten a team like the Bengals, who are playing in the Super Bowl in the playoffs, right? Like, I would, think they win the division with Derek Carr. Right. And what would be the and odds the Bengals, in a playoff no. game against you the know. AFC champion Bengals? What would have been the odds in a playoff game, Steelers versus Bengals? It would have been, you know, depending on whose home team, probably favored. Well, you know? It would have probably been here. Right. Yeah, exactly. So You know what I mean? That's, right. that's the difference. And that was the team that was in the Super Bowl for the AFC. So it, it does move mm-hmm. the needle, I think, for, for a team like the Colts or the Steelers. And is that worth it? So that that's a really interesting name to me. And then you, you follow that path down the road a little bit and then, you know, Josh McDaniels, maybe that's the landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the stopgap there. Then they draft a quarterback, something like that. I would just like um, bring Mariota back. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. And you I think I mean? they already like him. Right, They're, right, right. I mean, he's familiar. Bring yeah. him back on a two-year deal. And if you love a quarterback in this draft, Willis or somebody like that, take him. But maybe even just wait till next year. You know, hope you get the Bama dude. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah, and you never know where Josh McDaniels is in this because it's a new staff and you you know mm-hmm. does he love Jer- Derek Carr that's why he wanted the Raiders job does he see some other players around the league he likes better so that's an interesting one um and obviously there's another huge name out there on the market there was a report from Sean King former NFL quarterback he said hearing if things go well Friday Deshaun Watson to the Steelers is happening soon after not that it could happen or the Steelers right. are interested Deshaun Watson to the Steelers soon after Friday. This is Friday right now that we're talking on. This uh, report from Sean King was a couple days ago, and we didn't have time to bring it up because so much stuff was going on, Matt. But as somebody who covers the Steelers closely, I had to bring this up because Deshaun Watson has a grand jury hearing today, Friday. And maybe this could bring a lot of clarity to the Deshaun Watson situation. And maybe we're talking about Friday night, Saturday, teams all of a sudden that were interested in Deshaun Watson are actually making offers and and could open the door for this thing. Who knows? And maybe it could go the other way. Um, But I will also say that 
uh, your guy Jerry, is it Jerry Dulac? I, I always forget. Yeah. Jerry Dulac, who covers the Steelers, he said the Steelers, in caps, are not interested in signing Deshaun Watson, despite what you might be hearing or reading per team sources. That came after the Sean King report, and I think in direct uh, relation to that report. So Jerry's been doing this a very long time. He's a good friend. Um, he would know better than me. I'll tell you that f- flat out. You know, he's been a beat reporter for the team forever. Um, he was one of my radio partners in Indy. So the two of us sat down every morning and hosted the show and he's great. Um, he would know, but so I'm going to put that out there. I mean, I I believe everything Jerry says. Um, but when I got this report, of course, Pittsburgh, I got a million people saying, what's up with the Sean King thing? I'm like, who the heck Sean King? I mean, I remember him as a quarterback, but I didn't even know he was in the media and I'm not picking on Sean King. So I'm like. It's not like Mort did it or Schefter. I'm like, I mean, I'm, is there any water or any weight to this? So yeah. do, I they, went, do they have the same agent or like what, what would be the reason he would know this information? Right. I, I was like, why do I care what he has to say? And again, I'm not making fun of the guy. I mean, uh, he was a good quarterback and all that. So I dug into it and there's another podcast I've been a part of called Pittsburgh City Cast. And I was the Friday guy all through the season. And now I'm not on until next year. But they had him on. Tim Benz hosts that, who also does a really good job around here, and had Sean King on. I'm like, I'll give it a listen. And here's his relationship, though. Sean King was with the Bucks with Tomlin. They're good friends. This, he, the Steelers gave him a coaching internship. You know how they do that, like during camp and stuff in yeah. the NFL. So he's very dialed in with the organization. And when you listen to that. That, that Pittsburgh City Cast episode, it's like, I think he knows something. You know, I mean, Ooh. somebody's telling him something, and it kind of felt like he was getting it from both Watson and the Steelers. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I I could buy it. Uh, I mean, it, my, the thing I keep asking people keep being, you know, when we talk about big things for the Steelers, like they would never make such a big move like that for a quarterback. I'm like, how do you know? They haven't needed a quarterback for two decades. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. How do you know what they would do for a quarterback? Exactly. And there could certainly be some interest there. And if you need a quarterback and he's the most tar- talented quarterback available, of course, uh, you know, on the football side of things, you're going to be interested. And we already know that uh, that the Philadelphia Eagles have sent their own investigative team into this whole Deshaun Watson, Watson scene. We, mm-hmm. we learned that during the combine. And the Seattle Seahawks now have a need at quarterback. And that's the best fit to me. Right. And have some extra picks to utilize in a trade. So I could I could see this thing really heating up and maybe that's the next big move and the next big domino that falls. And who knows, maybe that happens as early as Friday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that Watson is some we'll have a little bit more legal clarity by the end of the day. Um, I think Seattle's the landing spot, to be honest with you. But um, Sean King did say. If he was going to go to Pittsburgh, Steeler players would be involved, you know, because they only, the 20th pick doesn't carry a ton of weight. That they said players would be going back, kind of like the Russell Wilson trade. Very interesting stuff. And this is why it's so fun to cover the NFL, even during yeah. the offseason, and sometimes even more so during the offseason, because you never know. Like during the season, like we know what the games are going to be. We know right, how right. the flow of the week is going to go. Maybe there's some big things that happen here or there. But in the offseason, you never know what that next story with that next report with that next trade is going to be so it's so much fun and the NFL draft is something that Matt and I you we both love to cover so let's move on to that let's talk edge rushers the top five 
edge rushers in this 2022 draft class, according to Matt Williamson. Next. Have you heard about Built Bar Puffs yet? The first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Built Bar Puffs are fluffy, marshmallowy, and not just a protein bar. They are a treat. And yeah, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with their incredible flavors like yummy, cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low-calorie, high-protein. Just replace those candy bars. Throw that stuff out and put built bars in whatever snack cubby you like to go to and feel good about those snacks for once. 17 grams of protein in most built bars at only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to builts.com, get yourself a built bar puff or any of the other new flavors. Strawberry is a really good new flavor they have there, and some of the classics as well coconut, mint brownie, and cookies and cream. My favorite always is the peanut butter. Can't go wrong there. So go to built.com and get 15% off of your order using promo code LOCKED15. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This had to be one of, if not the most difficult position groups for you, Matt, to rank, not just because, you know, who's one through five, but who even makes the top five? Because it, it goes well beyond five really good edge rushers in this class. And I don't know, a third of the first round could be edge rushers. Yes, I think there will be seven and maybe eight edge rushers taken in the first round. And only five of them made my top five, of course. So, I mean, I'm leaving first rounders off this list. Names like Arnold Epichetti from Penn State, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, George Karloftis, Purdue. It's not like I have a, a thing against the Big Ten, folks, but these guys would be on any other top five list. They just couldn't make it because this edge class is absolutely loaded. And I think the five names that I have listed here might all be gone in the top first of the half of round one. How about this really quick? So the yeah. obviously the ones that you have in your top five, you believe are going to be going in the first round. And I'm looking at these names and they're all going to go in the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we just talked about the Bears trade. They have picked 39 and 47, I think it was. But let's say the Bears at 39 are saying, okay, we shipped away Khalil Mack, but now we have a need at edge, and this is a great edge class. There's an edge that fell to us in the second round. Is there one of these names that you think would be a high round two pick that didn't make your top five that you really love? And maybe it's a Chicago Bear. So help those, those Bear fans feel better about trading away Khalil Mack. Yeah, I, I don't think Karloftis can get there. I think Epichetti or Mafe has a chance. Yeah, I like Mafe there. But yeah. Boye Mafe is a good one because I know he's got some helium, but he could still be there in that second round area. And, and, he, and he showed out at the combine just across the board with oh. his workouts, which really helps him. And, and a nice senior bowl week. There's another name, Sam Williams from Mississippi. He has off the field stuff, but he would be in this conversation without that. And yes, no and he's really they're... athletic. He threw down a four... Yeah. Did you throw down a four four six or something like that at the combine? Something crazy. I just yeah. I just closed that and I don't have those numbers. And nobody anymore. even like noticed. You know, yeah, they, because yeah. there were some other crazy times. And, and this guy Barno ran a four three six and he's not good, so don't worry about him. <laughs> I, I went back and watched him. I was like, oh my god, this guy edge rusher ran four three six and he's uh, he's just a mess as a pass rusher. It's, it's <laughs> just never runs good. Into things the, real fast. Yeah, yeah, it's never good when the first thing you think of when you see a prospect is. I wonder what other positions he could potentially play. <laughs> 
Like, can That's he catch, cool. make him a tight end? He was, like, rushing chest to chest, like, completely standing up straight. And, you know, he's fast and explosive. You could tell that away from the ball. And he had some production because of that. But, you know, those moves, what That's he had is not going to – he'll be it'll be a problem for him in the NFL when, when these offensive tackles get their mitts on. But anyway, yeah. back to the, anyway. the good edge rushers in this class. Yeah, Sam Williams, he's some off-field stuff. And he's more of a one-dimensional, probably early in his career, just, um, you know, third down – rotational rusher which means yeah, he could yeah, fall yeah. to a really value spot for a team that's just looking for i need that i want that guy off the edge on third downs third and eight i don't care what I, my first down's fine for me yeah and, and I, i'm not excusing away what he did off the field and i only honestly don't even know the details but there's been randy gregory and alden smith and frank clark and i mean there's some leeway with good pass rushers with if they if they're not the acquirable right, especially if you're drafting them in round two rather than in round one Right, right, right. Okay, so let's get into your top five guys then. And how hard was this to put uh, Jermaine Johnson, who, who, uh, who's had another fantastic draft season, and, and we're seeing a lot of this. You know, great senior bowl, fantastic combine, height, weight, speed, you know, 6'5", 250, what is he, 260? And, like, you know, he's yeah. a prototype Thanks. out of Florida yeah. State. Yeah, and real quick, I mean, this probably won't shock anyone, but I have Aiden Hutchinson one, and – I really think the difference between Johnson at five and Hutchinson at one is minimal. And part of it's because I don't think Hutchinson is close to a Bosa or a Chase Young. I, I, I think a lot of years Hutchinson would be number two. But the, the difference between these five that we're going to discuss is razor thin to me. I, I don't think Hutchinson stands alone or that Johnson's clearly five. I mean, he was a Georgia Bulldog, and we're going to talk about another Bulldog, of course, that transferred to Florida State totally tore it up, was probably the best player at the senior bowl practices and decided, I'm good, I'm not going to do any more. Great combine. I mean, he's the 12th pick to the draft type of guy. I mean, he's really good. Who is number four for you in this class? Um, I went with David Abajabo, another Michigan dude who played opposite Hutchinson. And it was funny, when they put Hutchinson up on the, on the, uh, the podium at the combine, they asked him about Ajabo. And it, it, he wasn't making fun of a jobo, but he was saying things like, I can't believe he didn't even know that. I learned that stuff in seventh and eighth grade. Well, that's because this dude is so new to the game. <laughs> right. He's kind of like Oway last year from Penn State, but Oway didn't have any sacks, and this guy had a ton of yes. sacks. You yeah, know a ton I mean? of production. Obviously, teams were paying attention to uh, to Hutchinson, Hutchinson on the sure. other side. And uh, Ojabo, when he was on the podium, was asked, he's like, oh, my God. It was like having a position coach on the other side. And Hutchinson, he's teaching me all this stuff I didn't know. And, and he loved mm -hmm. having the leadership from him on the other side. And Hutchinson was a better college player. But if you project this out, maybe you could argue that Ojabo's Ojabo the, the best, career. the better yeah. pro uh, prospect, just because yeah. the the athleticism and, and the length, the arm length especially, is, is better from Ojabo. No, no doubt. I mean, he's more talented than Hutchinson, which is saying something. I feel like I'm picking on Hutchinson. He ran a four five five. I mean, two hundred fifty some pounds or whatever. I mean, it, it, he's a very moldable piece of clay. I, I kind of lump him and number three, Trevon Walker, together because I think both these guys don't know what they don't know yet. You know, like Walker is just an athlete out there, and Georgia's defense is so weird. We kind of talked about this with the D tackles that they kind of just use him as a run stuffer and he dominates in the run game. And when in the pass rush, it's like, he's never been coached. He just runs around and is a big athlete and runs people over and throws <laughs> them to the side. And like, there's not much refinement with the Jabo and especially Walker, but they have so much ability. 
And Walker's 272 pounds. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, what what Walker yeah. did, and, and I think it's going to shock oh. people how high Walker goes potentially because 6'5". He to one. You know, like it yeah. wouldn't shock me if he goes ahead of Thibodeau. <laughs> yeah, it and, could. And, and, you know. 6'5", 272. 35 and a half inch arms, which are just massively long. And we know how Crazy. important that is for pass rushers, right? And then he goes and, and the workouts he had, and I know there's some suspect numbers out there for guys working out, but you can at least compare them to themselves, even if you're not comparing them to past uh, draft classes and, right. and past and combine workouts. Every, they all At that ran size, the same time. And, you he know, ran right. four five one, thirty five four, and a half five, inch one. vertical, six eight nine three cone, which is scorching six, at two seventy two. Nine three cone is bonkers for every, a tall guy. Like everything that. you could want physically from a prospect walking in. Like if you didn't know anything about any tape, any hype from any prospects, he walks in. You say, okay, he's one of the best guys in this class. Yeah, he it's like he drew him up in a lap. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it really is and. And right, he's got these long arms, and he just beats up offensive tackles in the run game, and nobody gets outside of him. He's very refined that way, but a lot of it's just him being a bully and just being so much more talented than everybody else. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame the Jags if they took him first. Let's there, see who's position coaches. At it's the next funny game. because it, I think though. it's yeah. it's getting to the point where. It's. I thought it was like okay. There's you know a couple, two or three guys that maybe could go number one. Talking to Evan Neal and you know uh, Icky and Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it's only grown since the combine. Maybe there's six different guys that I guess we shouldn't be shocked if they go number one in the end because there's no slam dunk player and it's just getting closer and closer. And, and maybe that's helping teams that are you know later in the round feel a lot better about this class because I think the class had been knocked a little bit because of the lack of quarterbacks up top, but quarterbacks aside, this is a really good, really deep draft class. Yeah, and we talk about this a lot too. I mean, people need to understand the process that this is, you know, the the co- now that the coaches are heavily involved for this last month or whatever. I mean, Jacksonville, it's been longer. Or the teams have been eliminated. But just think if you're the edge pass rusher coach, the D-line coach, and they say, you can have any of these guys, who do you want? I think most would say Walker. That's very interesting. You know, and when because coaches be, get into this process later than the scouts and, and everybody who's been doing it all year long and following this this process. And I think coaches can be wowed at the combine more and see somebody like that and think, just give me that. I can just make that me. guy a yeah. superstar. 100%. That's what I meant by that. Yeah. Just, I'm the best coach in the world, as everyone thinks they are. If you could give me that guy, I'm going to turn him into a if Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White had a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some, some mistakes are made because of that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when the scouts and the coaches say, but he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. You know, well, I'll teach him. You know, yeah. like, that's where the matter. watching this guy for three years and he's not good. He doesn't make any plays. Listen, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right. How about Kayvon Thibodeau at number two for you? And I think this is the most difficult for me because he could go one, and I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he falls out of the top ten completely. Nobody agrees on Kayvon Thibodeau, but, man, he shows up, ran a four five eight and threw up 27 reps in the bench press, but didn't do anything else, which is a little bit odd. And so I don't know what to expect from Kayvon Thibodeau, but you still have him number two. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with him either. You know, I mean, he may be the best of all these guys. He's a little more 3-4 outside linebacker than some of these others. He's better on two feet instead of a three-point stance. That's a small thing. It's not a negative or positive. It really doesn't matter. He'll be fine anywhere. He takes plays off. I mean, he just does. And everyone says he's a unique personality, you know, like I don't know that his personality and interviews Mm. are helping him in such a crowded, talented position group. You know, I I think he could last to 
Atlanta's pick or something like that, you know, just because I think tiebreakers might not go his way with some teams because they'd rather get their hands on, you know, a Jabu or Walker as opposed to dealing with Thibodeau. And I don't know that he's a bad guy. I mean, I hear he's very into his brand and all the, those type of things. Fine. Yeah. But he takes plays off. And the boy, I mean, he was like the top recruit in the country, and you can 100% see why. Yeah, he's been on the radar forever. And, yeah. and sometimes those guys that you just assume are going to go up high at the end of the process fall back a little bit. And look, speaking of motor, let's go to number one, Aiden Hutchinson. Because yeah. if you had to put in order the top three things you're looking for in a pass rusher, it'd probably be motor, number one, then uh, maybe length, number two, and, and that ability to... Like a, a you know like a what, what, a three cone basically a, a three cone drill yeah. is probably the most important drill arm length three cone drill if you're looking at combine stuff for these edge rushers you want that ten yard split and you know that that explosion off the ball Aiden Hutchinson is off the charts on two out of those three but unfortunately he showed up with shorter arms but a six seven three three cone is really good for a guy who's six foot six and five eighths, 260 pounds. Uh, he's got a nonstop motor. He's going to be really good. He's one of the safer picks in this class, but a little bit shorter arms, and maybe some of the other guys athletically might wow you a little bit more than Aiden Hutchinson, but he still sticks at number one for you, and, and he's got to be in the conversation for the number one pick in this draft, but I think there will be some boards that don't have him as the number one, not only the number one pick in the draft, but maybe they're not the number one edge guy. Yeah, I think so too, and that, that seemed unheard of whenever he was – in, in New York at the Heisman conversation, like who could be better? Well, maybe Thibodeau, but not, I mean, no one thought anyone that was even close. Well, I think all these guys are close and he's a great prospect. He's just not chase young, Bosa great. You know I mean? And the short arm thing worries me, but he is six, six and a half. You know I mean? It's not like he's a little stumpy guy. You know I mean? He, he is a long bodied guy. Just doesn't have long arms and an amazing three cone for these taller guys is even more impressive. It's, you know, JJ Watt esque, you know, so he's a very, very good player. It would absolutely shock me if he busts, you know, I think Thibodeau is a much better chance of busting than Hutchinson and he's super productive and he was good before last year too. I mean, he's been good every step of the way, grew up in a football family. I mean, he's a pretty easy eval to be honest with you. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he's one of the, yeah. the simplest it's, do you, do you go for the safe or do you, mm-hmm. do you think you need to go a different direction for the upside? I, I tend to lean toward the safeness and, and knowing that he's going to be a really good player. I actually, I think the best comp for him is a Bosa, but it's Nick Bosa. Cause Nick Bosa was a little bit more stubby than his brother coming out. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, only 33 inch arms for Nick Bosa, but really explosive, you know, Fantastic technique, nonstop motor, really explosive in that short area. Both Boses were really good in uh, in, in the three cone drills versus you know maybe running a forty. You right. Know, you know, Bosa was fine four sevens or whatever it is for the forty. But that was the one question about Bosa. It was like, ah, oh, he's a little bit shorter than his brother. Maybe not ideal arm length, but he was right at that thirty three inch threshold where Hutchinson's just a, a half inch below that. Right, thirty two and a half is that what his arm length was? Yeah, it's something like that. So, it's a, yeah, a little but, on the short side. Uh, sure. I'm not even worried about it that much because he's much taller than Nick Bosa is. And, and I think, man, just the motor and how good he is, he's going to step on the field and be really good. You, you yeah. Turn in the card and know that you're getting a really good player at an impact position. Right. I mean, he might not be a Hall of Famer, but I think he'll be you know, multiple Pro Bowl, high-quality player. And in this year's class, that might be worth the first overall pick. You know, you're not taking him over. Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck, you know, if you're have if all your needs are equal, and you might not take him over some other studs that have been out in previous years. But 
Um, you can certainly make the the case that if if that he deserves to go first overall, and I think there's a good chance he will. I don't think he'll get past the second pick. I don't think he'll get past pick number two. And oh, ooh, you know, thirty two and one eighth inch. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit. It's not good. Yeah, you, you, most teams there's a thirty three inch cutoff, and they they want right, thirty three right, right. plus for their pass rushers. So that might hurt him. And and I, I've been saying this, and I, and I'll say it again here. The reason I will always mock one of those offensive tackles to the Jacksonville Jaguars, not only because they took a quarterback last year and you want to protect your investment there, but Trent Baalke, the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, his number one thing throughout his entire career that I've learned about him, it's that he's not afraid to draft guys with torn ACLs, and he loves, loves, loves arm length. Mm. It's his okay. number one thing he, he, he looks for in prospects. He, he drafted, and, and sometimes good, sometimes bad. Alden Smith, 35-inch arms, turned out really good. He drafted A.J. Jenkins in the first round because he had these crazy long arms and big mitts as a wide receiver, ran fast, not a good player. But <laughs> I, I, that's enough for me to think, ah, I, I think they are well, going to pass on him, and I think uh, the Lions are going to be looking at Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson at two. Okay, that adds up. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation since they franchised Robinson that, well, they were, they're not going to draft another tackle. Well, I mean, you can put Iguanu at guard for a year and then move him to left tackle or right tackle. Neil's played all over the line. And remember who the new head coach is, too. You, you, just, you laid it out well about the GM. Doug Peterson comes from the Eagles. I mean, they're all about O-linemen and D-linemen there, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't shock me at all if it's still Neil or Icky. Good stuff. That is Wonder the if it's edge. Walker, though. Talk about the long arms. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all at this point if Walker is one of the top three picks in this class. Yeah. You think your boy would draft him at one? He might like him more because of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think back to the Alden Smith pick, and Alden Smith was that raw. You know, he was a redshirt sophomore. And the, he was one of the prospects that wasn't hyped a lot. Not a lot of people knew a lot about him because he didn't have a lot of production, didn't play a lot in college, wasn't on the scene for a bunch of years. But he, like, that might be the best comp, actually, for Trevon Walker. But the, with the arm yeah. length and the size, and you can win with power and just explosion. And so, yeah, I could see him really liking him. I don't know if it's number one overall worthy, but I wouldn't be shocked if... Trent Baalke has Walker over Hutchinson on his draft board. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy. I hadn't thought of it from his eyes, but we just said that 10 minutes ago that I think some teams might like Walker, number one. All right, we've got to get moving here. Fantastic sure stuff. Over the weekend. Yeah, oh, man. I, I, this is this is my thing I do this week now. Make a, make a check before we say goodbye here. I'm looking at uh, the latest reports. Okay. We're safe for now. To We're good. It. Okay. The Jaguars released, speaking of Trent Baalke and one of his old draft picks and now releasing him from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Carlos Hyde has been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. It is release season, too. We even got a chance to talk about that. Oh, the guys yeah, like Flowers in Detroit are going to get let go. Oh, I man, mean, Bobby, these guys are getting like a- Bobby Wagner, that was a shocker. Back-to-back yep, yep, back yep. with Russell Wilson. Now there are zero players left from that Super Bowl team with the Seattle Seahawks. Really points to them rebuilding, right, with the, with the Bobby yeah, Wagner so. cut? 100%. Yeah. All right. Uh, More coming up next week. We'll see what happens over the weekend and potentially another bomb to drop with one of those quarterbacks we discussed on today's podcast. We'll get into linebackers and defensive backs from Matt Williamson's top five for the 2022 NFL Draft and everything going on in the league. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On NFL Draft. 
coming at you daily, talking about the draft. Matt's doing Locked On Dynasty. I'm doing Locked On 49ers right here on the network. And your team is covered no matter the sport. Baseball's back as well. So check into oh, those yeah. baseball podcasts right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Matt and I will be back Monday.